Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Through the Tech Vine. So be quiet, pay attention, and get inspired. There is one truth that is not told enough. Technology is not magic, but it can be magical. Technology is human. It is part of who we are, our evolution, our future. Will it be a dystopian or utopian one? Well, that is up to us and nobody else. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. Knowledge power? <laughs> Can be. I always wonder what if people are quiet and they're paying attention but they don't feel enlightened. Is that on us? <laughs> we, 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 we don't take criticism nicely. Okay. So. <laughs> we have a bucket, we just dump in there. It's kind of like the denial. turkey dump that Sean is presenting today. Turkey dump. Yeah. We have the critic dump. We don't listen to no, we do. No, we do. We do. We definitely do. Although, I think today we are on a mission, on our own, um, on our own voyage into a different verse. Yeah, I mean, Marco, you you took an actual voyage into a different verse. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know if I'm qualified yet. I'm sure there is a listener right now that they have a gazillion of experience with the. Uh, virtual reality and uh and i just took my first real step into it well actually i gotta be honest it's not my first but the first one was a few years ago and it didn't go well um i fell sick right away <laughs> like motion sickness <laughs> yeah. and that's what kept me away from the virtual reality goggles until now but i'm so fascinated by it and somebody told me that it's changed a lot, the technology, since when I tried the last time, the refresh rate, the quality of the image, and the feelings that you get, it's completely different. So, yeah, I stepped into, I stepped into the virtual reality last night, and stepped I was blown away. Yeah. Yes, I stepped in it, and you have to be careful, because... Uh, Thankfully, when you start, you, you create boundaries. <laughs> no, that's the thing. You need to create a virtual uh, boundaries around you so that when you are immersed in a virtual reality, you just start not walking around and slam yourself <laughs> into wall, knocking down vases and stuff like that. So I, I think someone died, actually. Someone wow. in Russia, I think, actually was, was wearing the goggles and, and a, you know engaged in it. Immersed in a, in a in a VR and um yeah that they they I think fell and hit their head on a table. Oh wow! Like yeah, I mean that there there is quite some. It's kind of like reading. If you read the little manual, <laughs> I don't know how many people read the manual anymore, but I would highly suggest to to do that on this so you the know what you can manual. be ready. Um, yeah, there is. It's like reading a a, a drug. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a prescription drug 
Like you could get days and nausea and days and uh, epileptic attack and a heart attack and whatever, flashlighting and uh, don't drive after you have experienced these for a while because your senses may be a little bit impaired and, you know, and don't eat, don't drink, don't sleep, don't, don't stay away. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, if it, uh, it, it, it plays with your, with your brain. And I think we could make the case that many scientists are, are doing where they say that even our brain, it's pretty much playing trick on us. Uh, things around us, they really don't exist. So take that, the matrix. <laughs> so have you done AR, like augmented reality, like Pokemon Go? And how does how did your VR experience come uh, I did very little of that when it's kind of like overimposed on the, on the phone. I never wear like some other like lenses or goggles or anything like that. But yeah, I think that's going to be part of the conversation. I was listening last night to get even more ready for these some um, some podcast. And uh, they were talking about this difference between the augmented reality, the virtual reality, yeah. which one is the metaverse? Is the metaverse already existing? Like some people say, you know what, the internet is the metaverse. And some mm -hmm. people are like, nope, we it's we gotta create it somebody say it's a hype kind of like artificial <laughs> intelligence and military grade and stuff like that and uh and and they're capitalizing on it so um i think that's what we're going to talk about today i i yeah. am excited i find it fascinating and uh and i'm happy that today we decided to talk about that yeah me too yeah <laughs> yeah especially sean except for sean because he didn't get the memo i guess We'll, we'll see. Is that, is that dark? It's in the meta, and I didn't go to that verse. Ah. There you go. You didn't get the keys. That's, <laughs> that's what happened. That's what happened. No, it's it's also people are wondering what are we doing up <laughs> live today on a Tuesday and at 11 uh, and not a Thursday. It's because what day is Thursday? It's turkey dump day. <laughs> you want to start with that you want to just <laughs> you want to just go with it and we know what it is because i'm kind of curious <laughs> yeah what is the turkey dump shot so thursday is thanksgiving it's all about turkey and uh because i missed the memo i went for some turkey news okay that's cool it, yeah. it is a, a halloween halloween there you go. I'm always thinking Halloween. It is a Thanksgiving episode anyway, so exactly. go for it. And is it like the turkeys on Cape Cod? And so this <laughs> has nothing to do with turkeys with feathers, just to mess with everybody even more. And it, and I'm actually going to connect it to the metaverse because it's something that I I think I maybe touched on in the last episode as we were wrapping and my, my brain was going a mile a minute. Uh, which is overwhelming for my brain, by the way. But, <laughs> so this is about Turkey, the place. And, okay. Uh, ah, trick. Dealing with Country. fires there. And it's a very simple technology I came across, but it's something that that uh, I'm interested in, given uh, places I've owned and own that uh, are in fire zones in California that... Uh, you see these, and I, I mean, 
infatuated, maybe not infatuated, enamored by the size of these planes and helicopters and their maneuverability and their and their capability of scooping up and collecting water and dumping it all over the place to put these fires out. Um, but so it's technology that was built to scoop up a bunch of water and dump it. And what these uh, researchers found in in uh, in Turkey is that that's not how a fire works. A fire doesn't just pop up and become this big thing. It's a bunch of little fires that bounce around all over the place. And hmm. so if you have this big plane or, or, or helicopter with this collection of water and it just, you let it all out at once, you, you might get one, two, three spots, but you waste water over the rest of the area that you're not hitting. And, uh, and the other spots go un, they burn unabated for uh, until you can get another scoop and, and dump on those areas. So what these these researchers did is they built this net or this well, it looks like a uh, an upside down uh, what do you call it balloon, if you will. And you can pinpoint the drop of the water to the different spots. So you attach it to a helicopter, you maneuver it over each spot and you dump it down. It, it, it's not exciting digital technology, but I thought, how long have we been using this other form of me other means of battling fire with water in this way where we're wasting time, we're wasting water. They're, they're picking it up from these, from these lakes. Uh, I don't suppose that, it, that the lakes run out necessarily, but we're actually not fighting efficiently maybe not even effectively with the current technology. So uh, the name of the, the these water baskets, upside down balloons are called Bambi. <laughs> you want to continue on a different thing? I don't know where that's going. But anyway, so that's the technology. Uh, turkey dump is why the name of that. Um, so my, my connection to the metaverse with this is what what's in those worlds that we create and you can touch on this technology or not. I don't care. But the, the point is, will there be forest fires in the metaverse and will <laughs> we have to put them out and who's responsible and who has to pay for it? And are people liable if they start <laughs> forest fire in the metaverse? It, it, to me, that's the fascinating part is how real do we make this wor world or worlds that we create and because we were talking about in the, in the last episode, uh, buying goods and paying exorbitant amounts for high brand fashion names that, Diana, to your point, people may not have the money to do that in the real mm -hmm. physical world, but they're spending their, their money that is real money translated to digital currency in the metaverse that maybe they don't have. And yeah, so my question is, do we, do we have worlds where fires exist and other catastrophes exist. Does global warming and rising seas exist in the metaverse? And are those things we have to deal with? Or are they purely utopian worlds that uh, we create and everything's hunky-dory and, and uh, we're just cruising along, flying over the summit of Everest <laughs> and feeling, I don't know if we ever get the chance to feel the cold and smell the ice uh, in, the, in the metaverse or not. But So that's my Eventually, strange, odd connection to all of this. 
It is a good question about when we're when we're we're spending more time in these other universes, these other worlds. Yet, will we be able to? I, I, we already know we're bringing some aspects of capitalism in, right? You know, like the, you can have designer clothes. Um, back in early Second Life days, there was discussion about buy property now on the waterfront because it's not going to be available in the future, which is true in the physical world, but in the digital world. I mean, come on, it's like, you know, oceanfront could be nearly infinite. So it was interesting that they were trying to bring in these constraints for, um, you know, shortages, because we know that that gets, motivates people to buy, is that there's, if there's, you know, if there's, there's a shortage of something, if there's not enough of something. But then yet to this other point of, of, okay, we know we can have fires in the digital worlds. We've got them in games and things like that. Sometimes you use them to win points or to get out, depending on which game you're playing, um, to move forward. But yeah, what if, well, say we, we've constrained how much waterfront property there is in a particular metaverse. <laughs> what if somebody that goes around and burns the houses that are all on the ocean so that they can get there? It's very, it is kind of trippy to think about if that's, but I mean, Possibly, right? Well, Well, there's probably no one answer, right or wrong answer for this, right? There, there probably be worlds where it is about where everything is a forest fire, (laughs) the whole 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 (laughs) dumpster fire. fire. It's a fire versus (laughs) dumpster fire versus where everything is. You're constantly battling challenges, and, and that's the state of mind you get put into. I don't know. Yeah. So. When you said that, apart from the news that it's real, uh, and and I think it's pretty cool, uh, you know, even using drone for that kind of stuff would be kind of cool. I know that there are satellites that right now, because the theory is if you could see where a fire starts at the moment that it starts through satellite monitoring, and you could just act on that when it's very small, Your your chances of success it's I don't know one to a million <laughs> compared to you know the the impossibility or very hard to be dependent on managing a fire that goes all over the places so it's not just prevention because fire are going to happen no matter what the, the often time they're natural but yeah if you could prevent them in a more specific and targeted way that's cool. Yeah. So that's my thought on on the news and and the other one it's uh i was thinking is it going metaphorically on on the fire <laughs> you know like it's a fire <laughs> meaning a problem like is there people going to monitor what is going on in the metaverse in whatever verse you are in in whatever universe you are and to be sure that people are behaving correctly or and that's already happening yeah, and you can't uh, even control the, or set the policies and the rules and the ethics and, mm-hmm. the, and, and yeah. the, the traditional verse. It's it's still a societal interaction. So yeah, there's going to be people that are going to misbehave and that they should be mm-hmm. uh, punished for that. And I remember back in the days of Quest, <laughs> and I'm dating myself, which was one of the first. Uh, multiplayer uh, games and then World of Warcraft follow it with that. They were admin that when something was happening and they, they will come in and then you will be suspended or punished mm-hmm. or, you know, so it's kind of like you have to police this environment in a way. But then yeah. the other thing that I thought is like, 
what is the fire in whatever world you're in, it's, it's a hack. It's a cyber crime, and a hack to the system made to perpetrate something bad and to steal virtual money, well, to steal virtual property. But that, but that you need to, you need to set them into the, the rule. Like it's it's the weather going to affect. I mean, how much you want to recreate reality versus how much you want to live in clouds, right? Well, these worlds. So there's the internal game, natural disasters, and then there's the technological. Right. I'll call it the platform that these these verses run on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 5G and Edge and, and cloud and mobile devices and, I mean, all, all this stuff that uh, all require power, right? All require mm-hmm. some kind of connectivity or wired or wireless or some, some other thing that we don't even know about yet, I'm sure. That th- those all could be natural disasters waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. But do, do you want them? I mean, do you want to go in a world where y- you're you're dealing with those things, like in real life, or do you want a place that is more idyllic? And I think in the ultimately you can you will be able to choose which one you want to live in, or maybe one day you feel like experiencing one, another day you feel like experiencing another. But that's a personal choice. So what what will be your personal choice if you go into an alternate universe. How do you want it to be? You want to be completely different from the where you're in, or you want to kind of mm-hmm. a copy of it so it sounds more familiar, but you get a second chance to to do something different. I don't know. It's very well, psychological. And also, will we be able to go into different universes but still show up and interact with people that are in the universe they prefer? Like, think about your browser, right? You can pick a color scheme on your browser, but still you're browsing to other websites and you see their color scheme. It's just your scheme sort of around you. You you may pick the font you see in your email, for example, but you're interacting with with everybody on the normal email channels. But in, in gaming, you're kind of, you're in like, you know, Grand Theft Auto V, or you're in Animal Crossing, and you can't cross-pollinate in those games. So which will it be when we, if, if I wanted to, if I want to go to work, and my work is now in the metaverse, do I have to be in whatever universe, metaverse, that my office has decided to be in, or would I be able to kind of make it, I could make it light and fun and pretty and, and purple and rainbows, and somebody else could make it like, you know, super dark and heavy, but we both show up at the same office in the metaverse. <laughs> or, or is you, do you guys get what I'm getting at? Does that make any sense? I'm, I'm yeah, a service that you provide as offered through the company you work for. That maybe that maybe that service isn't in a metaverse that they're in providing service in, but they provide the service that you take into any metaverse or any. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just access the API into your metaverse so you can go to the office, but you're in the universe you like versus. Wow. It's already getting a maze. Like it's it's already gone way beyond what I was imagining this conversation to be because. So one thing that I've kind of researched in this, in these days, it's now that many company, I mean, that's, 
talk about it. That's why we're talking about it. Last time we kind of throw there the value of buying with NFTs, virtual clothes, virtual merchandise, the luxury industry. It's it's already making money from that. It's a billion billions dollars industry. And we were wondering just to recap to what we did talk about last time is you know the, the the disparity as you mentioned at the beginning between those that could buy those that can't mm-hmm. buy how do you make the money can you import the money from the real world or can yeah. you just be rich in the meta universe i mean there is people that in second life they they were making a living just a, a living in real life converting the virtual currency that they use on that universe because each universe also uses a different currency and translated into real money and some people a woman in particular was selling real estate she became a real life millionaire by selling properties condos literally like what you would do in in in, as a regular developer or realtor starting with like ten dollars and turn it into an empire because people were buying the land that she developed the homes that she developed and it sounds crazy but i think people want this Mm. so the the one thing that keeps coming to mind and setting aside natural disasters um I don't know, maybe maybe these environments become self-sustaining where they, they live on regardless. But I, the first thing that comes to mind is this is a virtual world run on on electricity <laughs> and through data. Right. And somebody could say, yeah, I'm done, and turn it off. And, and whatever is in there goes away. And uh, I don't know what the parallel is to that in in uh, the traditional world we're sitting in at the moment, unless Marco is in the metaverse, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm here drinking I mean, real the, coffee. The natural disaster is the only thing I can relate to where maybe a flood wipes everything away or or uh, the economy tanks and uh, house prices aren't, aren't uh, yeah. what they are anymore or used to be and, and big swaths of, of areas become unpopulated and and uh, people move away and houses get boarded up and, and tons of fun stuff. I don't know. Well, then I can just stay where I am. Fuck it. <laughs> did, did you guys see Free Guy? Was that? The movie Free Guy? No. It's uh, it's in a, a, a form. It's more of a gaming universe than like a real m- metaverse. And that I don't think that there's necessarily people go into the game and play. And it feels sort of 3D for you as you're watching the movie. But Ryan Reynolds is a character that's a non-playable um, character, and he just you get he works at the bank, and that's it. And the bank gets robbed all the time because it's a sort of violent game, and you, there there are actually fires all over the place and cars exploding. And eventually, because they had coded general AI into the the, the game, he becomes sentient. And then other characters start to become sentient and they, they do exactly Taika Waititi is, is the, the bad guy he, who hmm. owns the, the game. And yeah, he goes to turn it off and it's kind of ridiculous because you start seeing the, the universe and free guy disappearing sort of pixel by pixel at a time, you know, which is not 
quite the way. I think it would be, yeah, you just, you could, you could, you're right, you get a virus and suddenly all that real estate could potentially be wiped away. And if the game company, the metaverse company didn't have good backups, it might not be restorable. So you do, it's an interesting question of, of the, the two, the kinds of disasters, disasters that we create, like fires that people can light in the metaverse, but then also the, Marco, as you were talking about, um, uh, yeah, like the, the big time disaster. Of, well, what if, if somebody hacks the system and deletes things or changes changes who owns what and steals your steals your goodies and all that stuff? I'm going to go completely the opposite direction. All right. Just for fun. Think of this place or places now where, I don't know, maybe maybe it is easier to explore and open your mind and be creative and innovate and try new things. So I'm, I'm thinking, well, maybe using the fire example, maybe it's an easier way to try out some new innovations and new technologies to see mm-hmm. what works better to fight fires or how to deal with a pandemic and, uh, and different diseases. Maybe, maybe there are easier ways to, to figure some of those things out that are very costly, very difficult to manage scale-wise in uh, the traditional world. All right, I'm going to jump on that. I'm going to jump on that because it just makes me think about something that I wasn't thinking before. So we do know, we've done an episode about this where we know that virtual reality is used already uh, for mental health, for, you know, Mm -hmm. getting rid of certain fear, for training purposes from pilots to police force and also to train into certain behavior, how to deal with certain situations. So what I, you just said, it made me think like, what if you could use the, the social environment in the metaverse, which is made of real people, not player, right? Non, non, uh, non, not this, the sentient people, the people that are like real, okay? <laughs> not the artificial intelligence one, the, the non-player that then become you know, sentient. But what what if you could run social experiment there, which are so hard to run in real life, because you know that when you're observed, that's a problem in sociology, mm-hmm. when people know it's observed, they change their behavior. So <laughs> just that it's it's a big factor. What if you could use this environment? I'm wondering if somebody's already doing that, some kind of freaky, um, you know, evil corporation, uh, not making name here, um, or letter word yeah <laughs> yeah kind of <laughs> yeah with that and other but the point is what what if you could understand society the real society by studying the way that people interact and react to a social phenomenon in in the metaverse that's uh yeah. that's going crazy here i guess well, it raises a number of questions for me because I was thinking the same thing, which is uh, if we can, yeah, I didn't go to, to the societal part necessarily, but now that you, now that you are, I will. <laughs> In that, to your point, Marco, when, when we know we're being observed, we act differently. But when we know there's perhaps some barrier or air gap or, or uh, abstraction between who we are physically and, and who we are in, in these versus um do we act differently as well mm-hmm. i'm wondering do we mm-hmm. 
do we and it kind of kind of to my point earlier do we do we let go of some of our inhibitions do we let go of some of our constraints that we feel in the physical world and all bets are off we just go for it (laughs) and we act differently and i'm wondering will we then come back out of those and apply some of those social skills where perhaps we we don't hold bite our tongue or we we don't hold back on doing something and and that starts to come back into the physical world yeah and there's been some interesting research because about um people who you know may have been injured and so maybe in a, a wheelchair or or born without a limb or for whatever reason they're they don't have the ability to to run or to jump or to do a lot of, of very physical things but then they get into the a metaverse and they're whole in the sense that they can do all of those they can run and jump and, and be very athletic which may not be available or uh, an option for them in the real world um and yeah, what that does to people's brains and just lets them kind of, you know, it, it actually, I think, that had a lot of positive effects, even though they knew that it didn't change the real world for them. It was just very liberating to be able to experience that kind of um, freedom in the in the metaverse. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting a lot. There could be a lot of potential possible for in sociology to, you know, maybe, you know, things we, we've looked at, at how VR is used in trauma and trying to help people get past traumas, either by reliving it or giving them an immersive experience similar to like a psychedelic LSD or the psychedelics that have shown promise with, with helping to heal and, and address trauma. So, I mean, yeah, those as scary as it can be with hackers getting in and our privacy invaded, it's also you start thinking about people being able to have very different experiences than they could in the real world that could be very positive. And then then it's pretty exciting, you know. You know, I think everybody is going to have their own reason to participate to this. But the 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 why I think that it's inevitable that either we we dive into more of a virtual reality or an augmented reality or a mix of the two, which is probably going to be the case, it everybody's going to have his own reason. So yeah, Diana, you you said yeah. one, other is to learn. Yeah, go ahead. Will we have the option, or will all mm-hmm. jobs or 99% of the jobs and the way to earn money only be through some metaverse. Uh, and, and, then, and then, you know, so that makes me think about the very, very early stage of the pandemic when so many jobs just went home, but there were jobs that couldn't go home. The delivery drivers were still out there, to, you know, the, the medical Folks are still there on the front line showing up every day. Some jobs just can't transfer out of the real world entirely. Parts may be able to, but right now, things like package logistics, somebody's got to bring that package to your door. We're not at the point where robots can. So, yeah, I mean, I wonder, will that create, just what you said made me worry, what if we create a bigger divide, just like what we saw at the beginning of the pandemic? Well, so there, there is two books that are kind of at the core of the mythology of the metaverse. And I think it's what made it more fascinating for many people. And there's No Crash that was written in 1992 yeah. and yeah. Ready Player One 
which there is also a, a sequel to that, and that was from 2011. So in the second one, which I have to say I mentioned a few times, I really like, it's uh, it, it's kind of driven by the fact that the, it, it, 2045, the year where this happened, there is global warming, social problem, economic stagnation, and uh, you're either very rich or you're living in a dump, <laughs> not a turkey dump, but in a dumpster. <laughs> dump. And and people escape, learn, leave, uh, even make money then then they can use to buy real food into this universe uh, that is called Oasis, with, as, as an Oasis compared with the real world. And then, of course, the entire story developed there. So uh, who knows? <laughs> you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think right now it's a novelty. I think in the future it could be a choice for some. It could be fun for other people. It could be job for others. Probably it's going to be a mix of all of that, even to experience certain things. So let's say that you want to do um, skydiving. And let's assume, and there is already some 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 games where you can do that. I don't know when I'm going to be ready to do that, but <laughs> uh, what if you want to feel, try to feel the sensation, or at least close enough of diving from an airplane and be immersed into it, where you would never want to do it in real life because you you don't want to take that risk. You want to do it safely, but you want to get that that excitement, that adrenaline that this gives you, or driving a Formula One car. I mean, every game simulation and all of that that we do is because we we, we want to feel in that moment to drive yeah. a Formula One car. Now, yeah. you know, PlayStation has, you know, their own goggles so that you can play certain games in full immersion. And I think it's going to blow our, our mind. And you can do you all know? of that inside a pod on Mars being hydrated and nourished with tubes. <laughs> you, you could, that's, you could that's do for that. When the earth gets, gets destroyed. Yeah. Uh, it's final well, you know, so the, these are some of the extreme. And so I, I was listening again to this podcast and there was somebody said, look, the real metaverse or whatever you want to call it. I mean, in the end, metaverse is, you know, meta is senses and verse is short for universe. So it's like where you experience through your senses and, and something, right? So that's what it is. Then you want to call it virtual reality or whatever. It's up to you. Some people may call it Dungeon Dragons and, and, and read a book. <laughs> I mean, you can read a book and, and have that experience. Everybody does it in a different way. Fully immersed in a movie. We talked last time about sitting on the edge of your chair at a movie and you really think you are experiencing what's going on there. So in a way, we always look for this getting away from reality. And this is just the next step to it, right? So um, I have a poem that's all about that. It's, a, it's an interactive poem for kids. Okay. You're going to read it? So this is it. I mean, the, the, the idea is that the kid creates uh, this poem interactively. And it's so high tech. It's, uh, it's a piece of cloth with sticky felt things that, uh, that you used to. So the, the, the poem goes like this. I'm a Thanksgiving turkey, as worried as can be. Eat some blank, but don't eat me. And, you can, and the kids can actually put 
eat some pizza or eat some broccoli or, <laughs> eat, some pie, or eat some cheese, whatever it is. That's the interactive. That's where we've come from <laughs> to, these, <laughs> to these metaverses. That's, I don't know, technology's changing. That's all I can say. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's the thing. I, I think there is always been those that didn't want technology to happen and then they end up embracing it. And those that are the first to move in and the other one that just wait a minute, let's see what others are experimenting. But ultimately, we, we always go for it as humanity. So, but I don't, I, my fear is, that, you know, like the reason why I like augmented reality is the fact that you're always connected to the real world. So you you add a layers to it. So let, let's say you wear these lenses, these glasses, that as you're walking somewhere as a tourist or even where you live, you, you see an overimposed layer where you can learn more about the history of this uh, church, for example, or this, this place, how it looked like 200 years ago, or all of a sudden, they can change the environment around you because they've recreated something that is what it looked like exactly where you stay 200 years ago or 100 years ago. Or, um, you want to learn how, you know, direction, of course, we're already getting that stuff. But I'm saying like augmenting the the, the reality that, that you can have. Reading a menu, for example, that is not just reading a menu, but you you, you can see the food in a 3D for example, uh, writing your, in your by the chef. Smell it. You know, yeah, you could see how the chef is preparing it. But but you're you're still in touch with the real world. You're not you're not pretending to live in a different world. And the other one, you are actually in a world that is completely different from from the where you are. So I, I think there is room for both, and people will make their own decision. There is a functionality for both of them. I, I think you're right. Food. I want to hear what Diana has to say. Oh, I was going to say before, I, I think that, that there is something about that, yeah, we're each going to choose and there are going to be different use cases um, for AR versus versus uh, VR. But I also wonder, you know, you said, Marco, that, that technology sort of comes along and we kind of get got to get with it or get out of the way. But sometimes technology gets, um, one kind of a technology gets adopted over another and you know the classic conversation is always like oh vhs versus betamax but yep. if, you, if you think about solo transportation versus group transportation that's actually a really uh, that's sort of a more powerful example because we we actually we stopped advancing group transportation we stopped advancing the technology and even building the infrastructure because we decided solo transportation so in general you know trains versus cars. We liked solo transportation. So one technology wasn't necessarily more advanced. We wanted to get from point A to point B fast, but we decided we were going to focus on the, the one that was solo rather than the one that was group. So I wonder, to your point about the, the use cases in AR and VR, um, is, is one kind of solution of this going to become adopted and another one get be tossed by the wayside like Betamax and unfortunately a lot of trains? Um, so yes, it'll be it'll be interesting. But okay, so real okay. quick, which one will win, Diana? <laughs> <selfish> one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I let's hope not. Um, but so the foodieverse uh, it actually is a thing. We were joking last time about you know what's going on with food in the metaverse because we 
as we were saying in email earlier, it, we don't really have Wonka vision, right? Wonka vision, you were able to, to teleport food right into the TV and somebody could grab the, the Wonka candy bar. Um, we don't have that in the metaverse. So the metaverse, well, it can give you that feeling of being someplace. We, right now, it's not really a, a full formed. You're not gonna be able to taste things. Smell isn't really a part of most of the metaverse. So what kind of thing can go on with food? So out of curiosity, I just, I looked it up and there is actually a food metaverse, a food centered metaverse. It was developed in Delhi and the founders just raised $2 million in their seed funding. And it's called One Rare. That's hard for me to say, but anyway, um, and they're calling it the Foodverse. And it, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if I would call it a true metaverse experience, what they're talking about now, because it's basically an online game and you go into the farm and in the farm, you farm out food and you grow food and then you can sell it at the farmer's market. And then people take it into the kitchen. And once you get enough of the right ingredients, you can create recipes. And where are they getting more metaverse -y stuff is that they're bringing in uh, famous chefs who are going to be creating recipes that will be only one time available within the O-Rare food verse. Um, and then the other thing is that they're also going to be able to create NFTs from the dishes that you make. And with those NFTs, you can turn those into tokens, I guess, the O-Rare tokens, and then go play sort of traditional games at the competitive games at the playground area, which I guess is like Diner Dash or Zoomers or something. Um, but the NFTs ultimately may be exchangeable outside of the, the food verse for meals at restaurants. And they're gonna bring in some advertising that will be targeting new and innovative offerings in the food and beverage industry at the, the O-Rare players, the one-rare players in the, the food verse. So kind of interesting um, that that seems from what I could find, that's the, the most that's going on food wise in the metaverse. Um, like I said, it looked more like I went to the website and it feels more like kind of like a, a, an advanced Farmville right now. But <laughs> I was just thinking about that when you were talking about it. You yeah. grow your food, you have your farm, you make it organic. <laughs> But who knows, right? I mean, a lot of these ideas, they start out, I mean, I'm sure when you know, when Twitter got started and people were like, eh, 140 characters, whatever, you know? <laughs> um, and now it's Twitter. So anyway, so that that's where the, the but and it's not called the foodie-verse. I want it to be called the foodie-verse, but it's actually the food-verse um, that they're creating. <laughs> so I like it. <laughs> okay. But but it makes me think again uh, to to maybe wrap up if that is even possible to wrap up this conversation because I'm like making notes and I have a page full of it. <laughs> but so think about the internet and mm. how the the origin of it and the excitement was sure initially connecting you know researcher that was the idea but then. It was the fact of, you know, the, the bulletin boards where people with a specific yeah. interest will get in there. And, you know, for those that think that the metaverse already exists, I think so. I think that was already a metaverse because it was putting together in the bulletin board people with the same interest 
people could talk to each other. And then we we evolve from there. Like as a community, you could accept or not accept. Kind of like it's like real life. You you choose your community based on your hobbies, based on your passion, based on the fact the kind of experience you want to have. And we haven't even touched about watching concert together with your friends mm-hmm. and experience mm-hmm. to be there are some applications now where you can experience to be on stage with backup dancer and the whole instruments in, in the back of you. So it's, it's, you know, there is the entertainment part, but there is the, that sense of belonging that it, it serves so many people on the internet. Um, I've spoken to many in the diversity, you know, in the, the, the diverse neurodiverse people that have found their niche, their, their conversation, they, they, Said, you know, I'm not, I'm not alone. You know, the LGBTQ community coming together, and and how many things are happening because we get together virtually. Now, that if we can do it with avatar and in 3D instead of 2D, that for me is just an expansion that the technology is allowing to do with that. But I think we've been doing it already. That we didn't need yeah. to drive somewhere or go to the meeting, the club, or finding somebody in your town or in the town next to it to find something that, that you want. You know, you can have a book club and you can have probably, I don't know, people that, that like to be dinosaurs and their avatar is, is a world made of dinosaurs. I, why not? So. Yeah, and we did. It's it's true. I mean, you can find if there are 100 people in the world that like a particular book, Right, those hundred people can find each other now, and you're right. That was not, and, and that the internet brought that together, and is that that's some level of a different universe. We also sort of created because of the long tail. If those same hundred people all wanted to buy that book, now maybe you've got enough money to publish that book. Whereas if only if you can only find one person, you may not have enough. So it, it allows us to create a lot more products that are focused on a global market rather than just on a, a local market. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, that those, those to me are bringing together a well, different kind of. So, so think about cosplay. People go to convention dressed like character that they love. Now you just set a book. So let's say, you know, Harry Potter fans. Mm-hmm. I am sure the JK Rowling and the old, <laughs> the old system there, They've already been working on a VR Harry Potter world. I can bet any money you want, (laughs) right? There is a Star Wars already. There's going to be a Star Trek. So think about all this big phenomenon thing. And you as a fan, why not go there? Why, why, Why couldn't you bring it from immersing yourself in the book and in the movie into really going there with people that are as nuts as you are? As crazy as you are about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the key is, can you then distinguish reality from the characters that you play in the Avatar world? But, well. Oh, that's, that's a good point. People getting mixed up about, because you actually mentioned. Is that my problem? Really? Well, <laughs> Well, Marco, didn't you say that you're warned with your glasses that you're not supposed to go driving right after wearing them? Is that something you said was a, a warning? Yeah, at the beginning, because you, yeah. you you may have issue in like multitasking because you're you're kind of 
fucking with your senses. Sorry, the word senses. I didn't mean to say that. Well, think uh, about, but okay. I mean, but think about people that maybe do already have like a, a less tight grip on reality. I mean, you know, like. Well, there is people that drive yeah. stone. <laughs> I mean. Well, no, drunk. I don't. I don't. <laughs> you can't, co you can't control that. No, <laughs> no, 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 I, I didn't mean, I didn't mean people like driving under the influence of VR after, too We're early not. after taking out the They might and play the lotto or they might. I'm, I meant more people school. that, that may have, you know, schizophrenics, you know, yeah, like schizophrenic no, people that, that may not be that, you know, their, their tether to reality could be impacted pretty negatively. Oh, yeah. um, potentially. So I guess that is something that we, we have to, to think about as well. Uh, that comes with the instruction <laughs> that you, you probably want to want to read. Okay. And if, you know, it's kind of like getting a medicine. If you, if, do you, if you had allergic reaction to this medicine, then don't take it. <laughs> that always cracks me up. I mean, cause it's, if you've had the allergic reaction, why are you considering taking it? And if you haven't, you probably don't know if you're allergic to it or not. Yeah. yeah. So I have Sean. a bigger question, since we have so much time left on this episode. <laughs> the bigger question is, is there a line that crosses with, I'll say the technology, lack of a better term, where something becomes a metaverse versus not? Because we did an episode uh, of a while back of watching a concert from your couch with your friends, and you touched on it just now, Marco. Mm -hmm. Is that, but they didn't mm -hmm. call it the metaverse in, in the article that that I was reading. And uh, I spoke to the actual guy who created the technology. They didn't mm -hmm. call it a metaverse. So is that a metaverse or is it not? And is there a boundary or a threshold or a line that tips it over from this is just AR, VR, uh, you're now in the metaverse? Kind of like AI, ML, right? I think by definition, the metaverse, it's something that is not in in reality, where you're not physically touching something, you're not physically there with other people. So if you're all together watching something on the couch, let's say a concert, mm. and you're all wearing goggles, and you're all in a different world that is not, is not your living room, then yeah, you you are in the metaverse. Your presence is transported digitally somewhere else, and that's why uh, I also mm -hmm. think that it, a game like it, you know, World of Warcraft or any other multiplayer game, I think for me, it's it's a metaverse, even if it's not a three D, I mean three D, a, a virtual reality one, because you're you're living that life. It's in two D instead of you know in, in immerse, but so yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna put my. I'm gonna make a call now, and then I'm gonna put my goggle back on and <laughs> and go back uh, to to Iceland. <laughs> does it require yeah. certain senses to work well? So we're we're talking about the the need for sight and sound to be able to hear and do we yeah. be able to feel motion and does it require all three of those in order for this to oh that's a good point it, it is i had that question in my head last night so i 
And I'm going to connect it with some. First of all, before we run out of time, I think we should do a channel and, and show just on the metaverse. Some. <laughs> I'm too excited about this stuff. So please, let's think about it. But just, Sean, one time you brought this news on this show about sound immersion that you can play games and with other with friends with the headset that you're connected and there is the surrounding sound that come around your head and and you are immersed into a story remember that yeah so it's not behind you it sounds like they are right and you you're kind of leaving you know it, it's a kind of like a full immersion audiobook i guess in a way or, or build your own story as you go or whatever it is so and when I put the goggle on last night for the first time, and I was like, okay, I, I don't have a perfect perfect vision, so there is a way that you can expand the goggle and, and you wear your glasses. And I'm thinking, like, you know, what if people have, you know, colorblind? Can they experience this universe, you know, the way that I'm seeing right now, even if with glasses? And people that cannot hear well, because as you're entering this world that the, the music changed the sound the change so it, it's a full immersion and again i guess it's kind of real life some people are going yeah, to experience in a way the, these spaces being created in ways that where maybe in the physical world they can't see color like yeah else or can't hear sounds possibly but now they can. yeah yeah can we augment it yeah. possibly I, I think the sky is the limit. My my fear, and this could be the topic for another conversation, is we have we have talked about a lot of the excitement, but the fact that you're pretty much signing your your privacy away by logging in <laughs> with a Meta account. Yeah. That's a different story right there. <laughs> so I think uh, we should talk about that one day soon. I think again. All right. We leave that there. Yep. <laughs> well, we jump off on a Tuesday, a couple of days ahead of Thanksgiving. Yep. Everybody right. has a great uh, rest of the week and uh, enjoy right. your turkey dump. Oh, wait, that's something else. <laughs> Many thanks. Many thanks. I'm gonna go, do when I get done here, I'm going to go count the number of episodes we've done that are about <laughs> metaverse where we didn't actually say they're about metaverse. I, I think I've squeezed it in every time I possibly could. And that's why I think it's gonna be the Marco the Marcoverse will be my next show. And of course you can you can join me. It's my, it's my world now. So <laughs> Well, happy happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Thank you so much for your support and listening to us rambling about everything. But we love you. We love you for we real. Do. We do. And uh Regular time next week, regular day, Thursday. Yep. Let's Happy do it. Thanksgiving. Bye. Bye. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Through the Tech Vine podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. 
If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.